When you think about the people who are a big part of your spiritual lives, whether they're maybe folks who have been in your life group with you now for quite a while, or maybe it's a prayer partner that you have, or an accountability partner, or somebody you consider to be a spiritual mentor to you. And you think, you think about those people. Have you ever asked yourself the question, I wonder if we would have been friends in high school? You know, I mean, I think most of you would have, wouldn't have liked me in high school. You know, I mean, not just because I've changed so much, but, you know, we kind of all get into our little categories of people that we kind of hang out with. And, and with that, we're, we're really not, we don't get friendly with lots of different types of people. But somehow in this wonderful dynamic of the body of Christ, God takes people who are really different. People probably in any other setting would have never connected with one another. And God brings us together. And through our common bond in Christ, he turns us into wonderful sources of blessings and encouragement and support in the lives of other people. People who, in, again, other settings we probably wouldn't even noticed, been friends with, cared about, or anything else. And yet we come together in the body of Christ and we're exposed to people who are just so different than anything that we've sought out. And yet they become such an incredible source of God's goodness in our lives. It's, it's amazing. In many ways, they can become as I've labeled my sermon title for today, Everyday Oracles in Our Lives. We've come to that place in our journey of considering how it is that God speaks to us and therefore how we need to listen. We've come to that place where we understand that God speaks to us through other believers, that God uses other people to communicate His message to us. But lest this become somewhat academic, I want us to back up and and understand just how foundational It is for us as God's people to know how to hear God's voice, whether it's coming through His Word or whether it's coming through the Holy Spirit, whether it's coming from others, whether it's coming through circumstances. We need to be able to recognize the voice of God speaking to us. And so let's just do a little bit of a review of the foundations that we've been building this whole series on so that we understand how critical it is for us to be people who have ears to hear and eyes to see what God is saying to his people and doing among his people. And the first foundation is that God's always at work. God has always been, God is, and God always will be at work in the world and in believers. And he's always seeking to draw them into a more intimate relationship with himself. I mean, Jesus couldn't have put it any more succinctly in the Gospel of John. My Father is working until now, and I am working. Or the way that Paul put it, it says, God, it is God who's at work in you. To will and to work according to His good pleasure. God's always at work. There's never a moment where God's on on holiday. He's off somewhere else on vacation. There's nothing. He's always at work in us and around us. And so there's always something to see. There's always something to hear. God is always speaking to His people to lead them into a closer relationship with Him and to fulfill His mission in the world. He's trying to change who we are, and through changing who we are, He's trying to change what we do. And it is the very nature of God to communicate. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. The very choice of that Word indicates that God desires to communicate what did he do after he created Adam and Eve? He, he showed up in the garden in the cool of the day to go for a walk with them so they can talk together. God's desire is to communicate. He's seeking to speak to you and I every single moment of our journey. And God speaks in many ways. He speaks through his written word. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. He speaks through other people. And he speaks through life circumstances. 
Today we're going to start wrestling with how it is that God speaks through others. We've already dealt with some components of how God speaks through His Word and through the Holy Spirit. And if you've missed any of those, you can listen to those online or you can request through your connection card to get a copy of the, the, of the messages on CD and they'll be out in the lobby for you in the future and those kinds of things. But, but the Scripture tells us clearly that all of Scripture is inspired by God. That God's speaking through Him. He has spoken, He is, and always will speak through His Word. And God uses many things to communicate. In fact, in the book of Numbers, it's probably the most unusual way that God ever spoke. Some of you know the story of Balaam, right? It was, his, you know, and, and God was trying to get a message through to him, and he didn't want to really hear it, so he kind of kept asking, and finally God said, all right, we'll just go. And, and as he's going, God used a jackass. God used a donkey to speak to him. Literally opened up his mouth. God can use anything to speak to us, and he does often. As it comes to us. But God is always desiring to speak. And He speaks through many words. This ne- no one can have a vital relationship with God. No one can be spiritually healthy without being able to hear God speaking to them. Now let that sink in. I, I, there, there are many of us sitting here this morning who have gone years in our journey of faith without any level of confidence in our ability to hear God speak. And we wonder why it's hard to live the Christian faith. Because it is absolutely essential to our journey of faith to be able to hear God speaking through His Word and through the Spirit and through others. I mean, Jesus couldn't have put it any more simply when He said through our theme verse for this whole series, My sheep, hear My voice and follow Me. Those things are inseparable. And by virtue of our spiritual rebirth, every single one of us has the ability to hear from God. Is nobody's in a position where you say, ah, oh, I just, I, you know, I just can't hear from God. That's somebody else's gig. That's just not my, my gift. That's not the way it works. As we are reborn by our faith in Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit enters into us, and it renovates or, or realivens, if you will, brings, rev- revives our spirit, and the Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit inside of us, we can hear the voice of God speaking to us. We can understand spiritual things for the first time in our journey here on earth. Every single one of us has that ability to be able to hear from God. It's not a mystery, but it is something that we have to passionately desire to see developed among us. Some of us, the reason why we can't hear from God is because we experience spiritual deafness when we neglect the Word of God or we just don't care about the Word of God. Or we repress the voice of the Spirit. And these are uh, things that we've looked at in two different messages. And I encourage you again to go back and look at the, uh, to he- listen to those if you weren't here for those. But, you know, we need to long for the pure spiritual milk of the Word, as the Apostle Peter put it. And we need to follow Paul's counsel not to quench the Holy Spirit of God within us. And now kind of turning the corner in these foundations to what we deal with today, Christians share this inseparable bond with one another. I mean, we were all born at the exact same place, the place of our faith in Jesus Christ. We all live off of the same spiritual diet, the Word of God. We're all empowered by the same person, the Holy Spirit at, at dwelling within us. All, we have so much in common that we have this inseparable bond with one another. And it is why it's so, in, so important, and I, you, know, you hear me harp about this over and over and over again, that we need to be in relationship with with one another. Whether we're introverts or extroverts or somewhere in between, we need to find a way to be in relationship with other people because we have this inseparable, unbreakable bond with one another. We're all a part of the same family business. To use my catchphrase that I've used over and over here again at Hope Chapel, faith is a team sport. It's something that we need to do together. 
But Scripture also provides just indisputable evidence that God speaks through other people. I don't think I really need to lay much of a case for this. I mean, why would God give the gift of teaching if he doesn't speak through other people, right? I mean, most of us wouldn't argue with the fact that God used somebody else to invite us to faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe they invited us to come to church, or maybe they shared their testimony with us, or they shared some form of a gospel presentation and said, you know, do you want to believe that? And God used that person to speak into your life. We see that happening all the time. Andrew went and found his brother Peter and brought him to Jesus. Through, his, through that invitation, God spoke. Philip explained the scriptures to the Ethiopian, and he came to new life. It, it's not hard for us to understand that. We, we see that component. But I will say this. It's a lot easier for us to, ex, to receive explanation of truth or encouragement or even exhortation to do something that we're really committed to doing. But it is much harder for us to hear from other people when they're trying to instruct us or correct us or to direct us in our journey. I mean, when, when, when we're kind of already headed in a certain direction, it's easy for us. You know, somebody comes up, keep it up, that'll wait a boy. You know, don't, don't, don't. We, we like that word. What's much more difficult for us is when somebody says, I think you're wrong and you need to change. Or they're instructing you to move in a direction that you don't want to go. It's much harder. But, but I got to tell you, it, one of the most dynamic forces that God uses in our journey is the way that he speaks into our lives through other people. His word's powerful, absolutely. If you're not nourishing on God's word on a regular basis, you, you are going to experience a spiritual famine. And you're going to hear that spirit speaking within you. But God will often reinforce and give you fresh perspectives on those truths and on what he's saying to you through other people. And one of the greatest gifts that we have from, this, from the Lord is these other people who serve this role in our lives as everyday oracles. The people who speak from God into our lives on a regular basis as they direct us along. And, and here's, the, here's the thing I want to try to pursue this morning in just the, the few minutes that we have left. That all this foundation work. We, we often say, well, you know, how can I tell what's being said to me is really from God? That's the question we really ask. You know, how can I know that the, the counsel, the instruction, the wisdom that's been shared with me is really from God? And, and I really think what's much more appropriate for us to ask is, who is it that's sharing that word with us? You see, if, if, there, if we are listening to the right people, then what we're hearing is from God. I, I want to give you an example of this and try to draw out some, some characteristics that we can use to identify the everyday oracles that may be a part of our lives, the people that God uses to speak into our lives. Because if we're listening to the right people, we will be hearing from God through others. And the the text that I've chosen is maybe an unusual one for this type of a sermon, but it's from Exodus chapter 18. And if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Exodus 18. If you're using one of our pew Bibles, the text is on page 60. So you can tell we're way over in the beginning of the Bible. The book of Exodus. Just a a, a little context before we read this, and then I'm going to make a few comments on it, and then from that try to draw out some some, um, characteristics that we can use to identify the everyday oracles that God's using to speak into our lives. This is after the Exodus period. You know, Moses had been floated down the river to try to protect him from the, the killing of all of the Hebrew boys. He had he had been taken into Pharaoh's household. He had been raised up. He had actually killed an Egyptian in trying to defend, his, defend um, some of his Jewish um, 
brothers and sisters. He had been forced to flee and he had fled out into the area of Midian and he had encountered some daughters of Jethro at a well and he, they had been insisted for him to come and, and to dine with them and he stayed with them. He eventually married one of Jethro's daughters and then after a long period of time, after encountering God at the burning bush, he had gone back to Egypt God had used them through all the marvelous things he did there to, to release the people. They had passed through the Red Sea. They had come back out to what is known as the mountain of God. And it's at that point in time that, that Moses' father-in-law and his wife and his children come to reunite with him at this site. And this is the context of that. Chapter 18. Just, just follow along in your Bibles while I read aloud for you. It's an, a great story, and it has some great truths for us this morning. Moses' father-in-law, Jethro the priest of Midian, heard about everything that God had done for Moses and his people Israel and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken in Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, along with her two sons, one of whom was named Gershom, because Moses had said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land, and the other Eliezer, because he had said, the God of my father was my helper and delivered me from Pharaoh's sword. Moses' father-in-law, along with Moses' wife and sons, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped at the mountain of God. He sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law, am coming to you with your wife and your two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down, and, and then kissed him. They asked him how they, had, how they had been, and they went into the tent together. Moses recounted to his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake all the hardships that had confronted them on the way and how the Lord had delivered them. Jethro rejoiced over all the good things the Lord had done for Israel when he rescued them from the Egyptians. Blessed is the Lord, Jethro exclaimed, who rescued you from Pharaoh and the power of the Egyptians and snatched the people from the power of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because he did wonders at the time the Egyptians acted arrogantly against Israel. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And and Aaron came with all the elders of the Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in God's presence. The next day, Moses sat down to judge the people. And they stood around Moses from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw everything he was doing for them, he asked, well, what is this thing you're doing for the people? Why are you alone sitting as judge while all the people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses replied to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. Whenever they have a dispute, it comes to me, and, and I make a decision between one man and another. I teach them God's statutes and laws. What you're doing is not good, Moses' father-in-law said to him. You will certainly wear out both yourself and these people who are with you, because the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you some advice, and God be with you. You be the one to represent the people before God and bring their cases to Him. Instruct them about the statutes and the laws and teach them the way to live and what they must do. But you should select from all the people able men, God-fearing, trustworthy, and hating bribes. Place them over the people as officials of thousands and hundreds, fifties, and tens. They should judge the people at all times. Then they can bring you every important case, but judge every minor case themselves. In this way, you will lighten your load And they will bear it with you. If you do this, and God so directs you, you will be able to endure. And all these people will be able to go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law, did everything he said. 
So Moses chose able men from over the people as officials of thousands and hundreds, fifties and tens. They judged the people at all times. The hard cases they would bring to Moses, but every minor case they would judge themselves. Then Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law and he journeyed to his own land. May God add his blessing to his, to his word, to the reading of his word. You know, some ways I look at this and this text and you almost, you know, as a son-in-law, you can almost look at it as, you know, Moses is here, his father-in-law shows up, and, and he's just kind of excited to show him how important he is, you know what I'm saying? So the next day, you know, he sits down, and, and the people line up out, down, I think, out the corner, or down around the corner of the block. They're all waiting to talk to Moses, and he looks really important. You know, and Moses' his father-in-law steps up and says, what are you doing? You know, and, and you can almost probably see Moses' his, just, his ego just deflating, you know, as his father-in-law you know, you're acting dumb. You know, but let's back up. Let's look at this text. You know, I I think there's some wonderful things for us to see in this text about how you and I can recognize the people that God can use to speak into our lives. We see in verse 21 that Moses was instructed to go and point people who were capable, who feared God and weren't going to take bribes. And, and from that, you see this wonderful launch pad to some things that you and I can understand about people that God uses to speak into our lives. And the first of those that I want to tell you is that we should be looking around to see the people who know us well, the people who have firsthand knowledge with us, or they are people who have firsthand experience with the kinds of things that we need to hear from God about. Well, what do you mean? In this text, Moses had, had gone out, and, and the scripture tells us in chapter 2, I think it's the 23rd verse, it might be the 21st verse, said that Moses had stayed with Jethro for a long time. We don't know exactly how long that was. We're pretty, pretty, we assume that it was for decades, that he was out there for a number of years. And so he really knew Jethro. So when Jethro shows up, bringing Moses' wife and sons with them, whom we presume were sent back to be with Jethro so they would be safe, in Egypt. Obviously a major vulnerable point for Moses would have been if Pharaoh had been able to capture his wife and children and held them kind of hostage. It'd be hard for him to, to exercise you know, his, his leadership and leading the people out and, and resisting Pharaoh. And so you know, he sent them away for safety and, and here they come and Jethro knows them intimately. He knows Moses. He has a kind of relationship that he can speak through. You and I should be looking around and seeing the people who know us. They know our story. You know, I have people come to me from time to time, and they're, and they're looking for spiritual guidance from me. And some of those folks I don't know very well. I will tell you, it's very difficult to share spiritual wisdom with people when you don't know them. Because, you, you, you know, you don't know what they struggle with. You don't know what their, what their successes and defeats have been in their lives. You don't know, you know, their personality. How you, you don't know any of that stuff. And it's like you're speaking into a vacuum. And it's very difficult to be able to offer specific counsel on how they should move forward in their journey. And I mean, I remember when I was out doing circuit preaching, if I can use that terminology, where I'd be out preaching in multiple churches. The hardest time of the year to go somewhere and preach was Christmas time. You know, you show up on the Sunday before Christmas or they'd ask you to do a Christmas Eve service or, a, or the, the, you know, the, sometimes Christmas Day service and, and you don't know anybody and it's, it's, it's like a family experience and you're the outsider. You don't know. I mean, it's very hard to speak in that environment. Relationship is so important. Jethro knew him intimately. In other cases, we need to go to somebody who's dealing with the same thing that, that we're dealing with. I will tell you that I was struggling with whether or not God was calling me into pastoral ministry. 
I went and sought out people who had answered the call to go into pastoral ministry. I started with somebody who knew me, my own pastor. I'd known him for a number of years. He knew who he was, trusted who he was, and, and he knew me, he knew my family, he knew my background and my journey. I went, how do you know if God's speaking to you and calling you into ministry? What should I do? And he was able to share great advice with me. I remember meeting guys at seminary who had struggled with whether or not God was calling them into foreign missions, into international missions. The people they go and talk to are people who have answered the call to go to international missions. But you can make that a little bit more personal. When you're struggling because you've lost a spouse, you go and talk to people who've been there and done that. People who have first-hand experience. You're struggling with a, an incredible disease. You're struggling with cancer or some other kinds of issue. You go and you talk to people who've been there and done that. You go talk to people who've had long seasons of unemployment in their lives and you're wrestling through all that process. You go and talk to people who've been there and done that. And you look around and you see people who either know you or know what you're going through because they've been there themselves and, and we reach out to them and God can use them as everyday oracles into our lives. Jethro knew Moses, had seen him operate, had lived with him for, for a long period of time. He knew the answers. i got to tell you, this is one of the reasons why relationship granting is so important in the body of Christ. If we as believers in Jesus Christ are a means by which God wants to speak into people's lives, we need to know folks. And with that, we need to be relationship granting people. People who are constantly building new relationships with people. Maybe at different paces for those who are more introverted and those who are more extroverted or whatever, but we need to be granting new relationships. You know, one of, the, one of the, the, the things that shuts down the mission impact of a congregation in its own Jerusalem more than anything else is when people get a saturation in their relationship capacities and they stop granting new spiritual relationships. And the church just kind of seals up its doors. One of the probing questions to ask is, over the last three to six months, how many new spiritual friends have you made? It's an interesting question, isn't it? It's a powerful question to try to answer. But not only do they know you, they have first-hand knowledge of you, but they also have to be people who fear God. They have to be people who, that you know that their lives and their faith, that they're really about following God. I almost use the word here that, that you have the sense that these people are theologically orthodox. It's interesting that when you read commentators on, Romans, on Exodus chapter 18, most of them would work, look at the first 12 verses, and they would say that this is Jethro's conversion experience. He's been a priest of Midian. They've worshipped the Midianite gods. But because of their polytheism, he has the ability to accept that there's another kind of God out there. That God has spoken to Moses. So Moses follows his voice and off he goes and etc. But when he comes back and, and he hears all that God has done, and he sees this mass of people stretched out around the mountain, he says, I understand that, that the God, your God is the greatest of all gods. He may not be a monotheist, meaning that he believes there's only one God, but he is a monologist, which means he's ready to worship only one God. And in this meal that they have in the presence of God, you see this place where he kind of enters into the faith community. The people that you and I need to be listening to are the people that we know have a relationship with God who are truly following God. And walk with, and I gotta tell you, this is incredibly important for us today. There is so much what I call water cooler theology that's rampant in our, in our communities and even in our churches that, that it's so important for us to look for those people who can speak into our lives, whether they're explaining truth or illustrating truth or giving us direction and instruction, giving us things to think about. We need to be listening to the right people, the people who are really trying to listen to God. 
You know, I, I listened just a few months ago to a woman who, who actively goes to a church, of a, a Christian church of a different tradition than ours. And she said to me, her son was living together with his girlfriend. She says, and I think that's a good thing. I think they ought to live together for a while before they get married to make sure it's going to really work. That's the kind of water cooler theology that's going around. You know, and we need to make sure that we're listening to the right kinds of people. You know, we've encountered people who say, you know, I'm not going to any church that says homosexuality is a sin. That's a symptom of this, this kind of political correctness and et cetera, that there is no sense of truth. And, and, it's, and that, that kind of theology is rampant among us as a, in our society. There's a whole other strain of thought that says, you know, as long as you're trying to be good, you're a good neighbor, you're trying to care for other people, you're sincere and honest, et cetera, that, that you've got no problems. It doesn't matter really what you believe, as long as you're just a good person. Or this idea, and I think it's just incredibly almost at epidemic levels among us, is just this idea that, that God just wants you to be happy. And so whatever decision you make is, is really that which would make... God does not want you to be happy. It's not that he doesn't want... He doesn't necessarily want you to be unhappy, but God's agenda is not to make you happy. God's agenda is to make you righteous. That's God's objective. And when we, we need to be listening to people who are going to tell us that God wants us to be righteous, not just happy. Go ask Job if he was happy for a season. Go ask Peter after he's been, I mean, Paul, after he's been stoned and thrown over the wall and left outside the city. Is he happy? And we need to be paying attention to the people that we listen to. And with that, God will never speak into your life through somebody else and tell you something that's contrary to the Word of God. Just never will. There's an obligation for us at this point to make sure we understand the Word, to have listened to God through His Word, but God speaks to us through His Word. And God will never communicate anything else to us that's contrary to that through another. The third characteristic that you need to really look at here is that God, you need to be listening to people who genuinely care about all of who you are. They care about you emotionally, physically, relationally, spiritually. These are also people who care about you temporally and eternally. These are the people who are willing to ask you the hard questions and to give you counsel that you don't like because it's right in the eyes of God. Jethro, what, what did he say to Moses? Moses is, 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 Moses is taking his job seriously. It's his job to lead the people. He wants the people to know what's really right in the eyes of God. Therefore, he's going to take that job seriously. And so he's willing to sit from 6 in the morning to 8 at night as long as it takes to dispense God's law, his statutes, his wisdom to his people. And Jethro looks at him and says, man, you're killing yourself. And you're going to kill everybody else around you. This is never going to work. Jethro cared about Moses. He cared about the people. I think he cared about the glory of God at that point. And we need to be listening to people who speak into our lives and are willing to tell us the things that we don't like, even though recognizing that they're right in the eyes of God. I can remember we the very first Builders for Christ trip we were on. And you guys may not know this, but there are occasions where I can be obnoxious. You know, and... Um, and, uh, and we were on, it was like the, the first day of the mission trip. We were out working on the site, and I was just kind of all wound up, you know, and, and as, as I can get. And, and Paul Rulo took me aside at break time. He said, I think you really need to tone it down, you know. And he was right. You know, God, thank God for people like that in our lives. And it's not always fun. I can remember sitting down with a guy who had been a, a deacon in the ministry that I had led and and uh, his life had gotten off track, and he had had an affair, and he was going to end his marriage and marry this other woman. 
And I remember meeting with him um, to, to just talk and to try to offer some spiritual counsel. And, and, and I got to tell you, one of the, this, this is a good friend of mine. Somebody that God had used as a real blessing in my life for a lot of years. And I remember sitting across the table from him, and him, he made a statement along and says, I know what I'm doing is wrong in the eyes of God, but I just hope he can forgive me. And one of the most, most difficult things I, I ever had to say to somebody, I said, you know, it's a whole lot harder to experience repentance. Real, genuine repentance that opens the door to forgiveness when you engage in deliberate, ongoing sin. I mean, it's literally someone said, you, you may never experience God's forgiveness for this because you just don't want to listen. It's hard to do. But those are the kinds of people we need to be listening to in our lives. People who are concerned about us, both temporally and eternally, about all aspects of who we are. Just one last point. You should also be listening to people who refuse to play God in your life. I I love what Jethro does. He says, I got some advice for you, but you know what? You need to go check this out with God. You know, in in one place it says, and and just God be with you. And a little later here, um, he goes and he tells him, he says, you know, go and, and ask God. And if God confirms it, then you can do with it as you will. You don't need to be listening to people who want to take away your spiritual responsibility. Now, I will admit there are times that that people need to, as they teach the word or or preach the word, they need to say, thus saith the Lord. And those are non-negotiables. You know, if God said it, there's, there's nothing to dialogue about, you know. But when we're talking about many other things in our lives, when people are trying to take away your spiritual responsibility, for you to go and confirm with God yourself what it is that they're saying, those are, you don't need to be listening to those people. You need to be listening to those people who refuse to play God in your life. Last night, just as a kind of a follow-up, this, this whole point made me think about you know, the whole Branch Davidians, David Koresh thing that happened down. And, 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 and just in all the details you can read, the overarching thing was that he tried to make these people 100% dependent upon him. He, didn't, he wanted them to forfeit all of their responsibility to him and just do what he told them. And with that, he just came up with the weirdest things, and there was nobody to resist them. And it just kind of went off on a shot. Those aren't the kinds of things that we need to be doing. The people who God's going to use as everyday oracles in your life will say, this is what I think that you need to do, but you need to go and pray about this and be sure for yourself. That they don't want to take away your spiritual responsibility to stand before God as his child. But i got to tell you, when we have these everyday oracles in our lives, the people that we recognize, that really know us, that really know God and walk with God, people who are genuinely concerned about our spiritual health, both here and forever, and who don't want to be our masters, but just want to be a part of what God uses to teach and to direct us, we are a blessed people if we have those kinds of people. Let me conclude with kind of a, maybe an interesting illustration. And I think I've used it here before, but I think it's very appropriate to our discussion today. You know, there's a, this young boy who's just standing on a street corner and he's, and he's looking at this sports car. You know, it's, it's bright, shiny red and it's got slick wheels and it, it just looks fast even when it's sitting still, you know? And, and the, the owner of the car comes out of a store and he comes walking up to the curb and, and, and the little boy looks at him and says, is this your car? And he says, yeah, it's my car. He says, wow, it's nice. And, 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 and the guy says, yeah, my brother gave it to me as a gift. And this little boy looks up at him and says, I hope I can be a brother like that someday. You know, that's not usually the reaction we have. We usually have the reaction that says, I hope I can have a brother like that. The thing that I really want you to take away from this message this morning is to say, is to go be one of these oracles. Don't go try to find one. Go be one of these oracles. Be a brother like that. Somebody who really knows people, who's really solid 
in their relationship with God and really wants to walk with God, genuinely, deeply cares with, about people and is willing to say things into their lives that they may not, that's willing to risk relationship for the sake of righteousness and then to walk with them, not trying to be their God, but just to be God's child alongside of them as we go forward. Let's pray together. God, there's probably no greater leader among your people than Moses. And yet, God, you were able to speak into his life through others. No matter where we are in the spiritual journey, oh God, we know and recognize that you can use others to speak into our lives. May we not only welcome that voice, Father, use us as that voice. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing a concluding song? To the God who still speaks, I invite our ushers to come forward and receive our offering as we sing. Let's sing to the Lord. Thank mm-hmm. you.